Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. You know the difference between hockey and those other sports? You gotta be tough to be a hockey player. I idolized Dominic Kashuk. I played goalie because of Dominic Kashuk. My life in hockey has been started because of Sabres hockey. I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as the team has over the last, like, five years, and just don't hold yourself accountable, I'm sorry, I'll hang up and listen. I'm sorry. Welcome to Two Goalies, One Mike, an in-depth look and behind-the-mask conversation about the greatest game on earth, where everything goes and nothing's off-limits. Now I'll tell you something about this guy. This is only three minutes, eh? Whammo! Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 83 of Two Goalies, One Mike. I'm Johnny Cullen, joined alongside Dwayne Steinell, as always. Uh, we are pleased to be joined by Jesse Granger, beat writer for the Vegas Golden Knights of The Athletic. Jesse, uh, much thanks. Uh, repeat guest, uh, thank you for taking the time to come on and join us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. I guess it's three goalies, one Mike today, huh? <laughs> Fucking rights it is. Yeah, we have that. It happens every now and then whenever we uh, have a have a goalie. I think latest who was uh, Oli the goalie when uh, Olaf Kolzig on. And then we, to... and we had a weird one. Remember Jean-Luc Grandpierre? He works for yep. Columbus? Yep. He he works for the media with Columbus. He's a goalie too. Uh, well, he's Mercedes a forward turned goalie. So that was like two Defenseman and a half goalies, goalie. one Mike. Defenseman turned goalie. Defenseman turned goalie, but he did have good boots. So we'll give yeah, him that. Yeah, boots. But uh, thanks for coming on with us today, Jesse. Um, Obviously, uh, you guys are kind of been in the spotlight this season in terms of what you did in the off season with Buffalo. Um, you know, I uh, I remember kind of texting you back and forth, leading not leading into that, but I, I I remember just always saying Buffalo will never ever win this trade if Jack Eichel comes back one hundred percent. But I am pretty happy with the pieces that did return. Peyton Krebs is playing very well. Alex Tuck has really taken on a huge leadership role with this team. I think he has eight points in seven games, something like that, since uh, returning to the lineup. And uh, obviously the first round and second round picks, you know, there's, you know, we don't know what that's going to be yet, but I guess it's going as good as it possibly could right now for Buffalo in terms of the return of that trade. But Jack Eichel did just recently travel with the Vegas Golden Knights on their East coast trip that ended with a three, two win against the Tampa Bay lightning. Um, just how close is he to returning right now? And how, what has the rehab been like for him? I know like, you know, it was really, you know, spotlighted that he was pretty much on his feet right away after the surgery, the uh, disc replacement, you know, what's that been like uh, from your side of things covering that and, you know, what's the timetable for him to return to find the lineup? Yeah, it's, 
I've actually been pretty surprised at how like easy and seamless this recovery has been for him. You think because it's a surgery that had never happened to an NHL player because the Sabres were so hesitant to do it. Like I expected him to be out for quite a while. And he, he said he went to dinner with his parents the night of the surgery. He literally got the surgery and then went to dinner with his parents, which is crazy after undergoing disc replacement yeah. surgery. But I guess that's how, that's how seamless these doctors were able to do it. Now he had that surgery in Denver and then he flew straight from Denver to North Carolina where he was working out, I guess, the surgeon that worked on him had a had a like his his team that helps people rehab um, was in North Carolina. And because Eichel didn't need to be in Vegas because he wasn't skating with the team, he's like, I'll just make it easier and I'll go to North Carolina and skate there. So he, he spent the first couple months or I guess month and a half of his rehab in North Carolina doing all that stuff. And then just a couple of weeks ago, he finally joined the Golden Knights here in Vegas. Now he's working out at their practice facility, City National Arena every day. He's skating with the team, skating with the team. As you mentioned, he's. Um, going on the road trips, he just went on the four-game East Coast swing that they just went on. Um, I was talking to Mark Stone about it, and it was it was interesting. He he mentioned that when he was traded from Ottawa to Vegas, um, one of the hardest things when he was like trying to get into the swing of things was the travel was so different. The way they got ready for the bus, the way they boarded the plane, the way like where they drove to get to the plane, all that stuff was so different that he was trying to do learn all of that and play hockey. And he mentioned that he thinks Eichel doing all of this for weeks before he plays will actually help him to where when he gets back ready to play, it's like, okay, all I've got to think about right now is just the hockey. So that's good. Um, in terms of his actual like return to play date, um, he won't put a date on it. He says it's feel. He's like, it's, I'm going to know. Um, I'm not going to plan in three weeks. I'll be ready. I'm just going to wait. And then when I feel ready, I'm ready. And I, he, seems to think it's going to be sooner, I think. And then when I talk to like Pete DeBoer, he seems to be a little more um, conservative in, in the return. Like Pete DeBoer, make, he'll usually say a month, maybe two. I don't think it's going to be two months until Jack's back, but I do think it's probably going to be a month or so. I, I know some people were wondering if he was going to play against the Sabres here <laughs> in a couple of days. Thank I, God, no. I highly, 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 highly doubt he plays that game. Um, it, it, it's not impossible, but the fact that he hasn't even started taking contact yet, he's still wearing the no contact sweater in practice. Like no one's allowed to hit the guy. Um, I don't think you're going to throw him into game action, especially with a player of that caliber. The guy's got a huge contract. There's no reason to rushing back it's not like this team is fighting for playoff spot like they're they're in the playoffs so um, i don't yeah. see a reason to rush him back yeah that was going to be my first question is is what color jersey is he wearing is he taking line rushes with the 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 you know the the fifth line the black aces or is he still in that non-contact jersey obviously you answered that for us um but but what's it like to you know he's got such a unique stride right like seeing him skate i've been i've heard it described for michael haters as you know, weird and ugly, but from people, you know, some people that know the game really well, it's it's a majestic thing of beauty. It sounds like we're talking about racehorses here. What was your first impression when you got to see Jack really get up and gallop? You know what I mean? Really get up to full speed. Yeah, racehorse is a good way to put it. That guy's a horse, man. He He's big. He's, he's a big guy. He's, he moves and like – so – I compare it to like in in the NFL, there are guys who are just so tall. Like Vince Young was the one I immediately remember. Uh, Cam Newton's another one that their legs are so long. They don't look like they're running fast. They look like they're just kind of like trotting. And then you see a guy next to him trying to catch him. And it's like, oh my God, he's just running past him. That's the way Eichel skates. Um, he doesn't look like he's trying all that hard. He doesn't, 
It doesn't look like he's going that fast, but he is. Yeah. And, he's smooth, and he's smooth. To me, the thing that stood out the most, more, more so than the skating, is his release. I just love the way he shoots the hockey puck. He's got – he holds his stick up high, right? Like, he, he doesn't – he doesn't lean down on it. He doesn't drop his shoulder when he's getting ready to shoot a hard wrister. He holds it up high, yeah. and he just kind of whips it. Just, just a, a, just a tiny little movement of the wrist, and the puck's gone. And we know, because, right? right <laughs> we know. To, to me, that's to me that's what I noticed immediately. Like the first day he was on the ice, I'm like, man, this guy. He puts no effort into the shot, and he's just lasering him. Yeah, that, that bottom hand, you don't typically see it stay where it is with the Eichel shot, right? Like right. we talk about in development, you shooting with your body, but for whatever genetic reasons and and, and whatever developmental reasons he, he went through as a young player to make him the man he is today, it it's 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 to his advantage because for us goalies, you know, we're we're trying to read the blade, and when you have that top hand up up so high. We don't know if you're going to pass it. We don't know if it's going to go, you know, if the blade's curving this way or that way. And 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 it's been such a, for me, it's a deceptive release. And it catches goalies off guards a ton, as we've seen over the years here in Buffalo, as you're about to see, as you have seen in practice. Um, so it's, it's, you know what, he is, he's a unicorn in that sense, where he has a different type of stride. Um, he, he has a very deceptive release that isn't common in the way that you would teach somebody to shoot if they'd never played hockey before. Um, but we've seen what he can do at his best. He can be a, a top five, top 10 player in the world. Um, putting him on top of putting him with that group that you guys have already assembled is scary to me. Um, I had the chance to play with Petrangelo. He was my first captain in the OHL and like the amount of leaders in that locker room, right? You look Insane. at stone, you look at Pacioretty, you look at, um, you know, Petrangelo, you look at Eichel, um, anybody I'm missing out, like it just seems to me. Robin like, Leonard. Robin uh, Leonard, right? You have so many voices Peter. in that room. And Pete DeBoer, I, I, I got to coach, or I, sorry, I got to play against him for a year when he was leaving Kitchener to go on to the OHL. And there's another guy that I know he's bounced around, but I've never heard a bad thing said about the guy. Um, he manages his players really well. I was listening to Agent Provocateur with Elaine Walsh, um, and he, he described a story about Peter DeBoer and just the amount of respect he has for him. And and coming from an agent that, you know, we, we, we all saw what he did with the, the picture and the sword. But, like, yeah. to hear him talk talk about Pete DeBoer and me having a very little um, little little knowledge of him, actually, our last episode – um, Dwayne Quickie brought up DeBoer's son and Steve mm -hmm. Spot's son, uh, which was interesting. Uh, is Steve Spot still with Pete? Yeah, he's the power play coach here in Vegas. Yeah, he, he kind of handles the special teams here. Small world. Uh, our last guest had coached a couple of their kids, but your, spe um, your special teams make it a hell of a lot better once you had no, number uh, number nine. Then, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah they, definitely, they definitely can't wait to get him because the power play oh. hasn't been great. Yeah, well, it's gonna get worlds better. You know what, in, in getting away from Michael, I know we'll get back to it. You know, looking at the Pacific, all I've heard, because uh, I haven't, you know, with two kids, I haven't been able to stay up super late. Everybody said it's wide open. Obviously, you guys are sitting at the top with 55 points. You have the Ducks and the Kings right on your heels with 54 and 53 points, respectively. Who who preseason saw that coming? I mean, did, did did you have any inkling, Jesse, that the Ducks were going to be able to put together this type of season? Dwayne, did you? 
Uh, not not at all. I think we kind of. I mean, so so they're a little ahead of schedule. I've I and the people who kind of cover these teams out here have been have been expecting L.A. and Anaheim. I mean, they've been drafting well. They've been collecting young prospects. Really well. I think I think they're a little ahead of schedule. Um, I didn't I didn't think we thought that they would be one, uh, two and three in the division right now. Um, obviously, that requires Edmonton to collapse the way that they have. Um, so I guess that part was predictable. But um, in terms of Anaheim and L.A., their their prospects are a little ahead of schedule, and I think for L.A. Um, they're still getting a lot out of Kopitar and Dowdy, guys that maybe people were wondering, are 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 they out of the the point of their career where they can carry a team to the playoffs? And they're they're obviously not. They're playing really well right now. I still think if you're Vegas, neither of those teams, Anaheim or or LA, really should should threaten you much in terms of like a playoff matchup. The Golden Knights would be licking their chops at that. But like like if you're if you're Vegas, the dangerous team in the Pacific is Edmonton. Because as as bad as they've played, if that team gets a goalie, um, they're going to be really good. And and obviously, two guys, two of the best players on the planet, can take over a playoff series. You only got a game or two can swing a playoff series. So I think while Edmonton is not as complete of a team maybe as as L.A. or Anaheim, I still think Edmonton is probably the most dangerous team in that Pacific Division, just kind of waiting in the weeds. Let me throw this at you. We, you know, Edmonton's been all over the national media or the the national hockey league yep. media, and I'm sure you've seen that. You know, covering them in your in your division, but and and we saw that I think it was what a seven game slide, um, yeah. ending with that thrashing by the Panthers. Since then, um, four wins in a row to start to climb back. They have that big five three win against the Flames to cut cut their Schneid. You know, cut that losing streak out. They beat um, the the Canucks in OT, which is nothing to write home about, but it's still, hey, it's back-to-back wins, it's points. Um, And the next, uh, well, two nights later, they beat the Predators in a shootout. Hey, that's three, three, you know, six, six points out of six points. And then they're playing well right now, too. Yeah. Yeah. And then they come back against the Canadians. Uh, Oh, yeah. The Predators are nothing to laugh about. They are a team that I think might surprise some people come playoff times. But, you know, they, they go into Montreal, take care of what they need to take care of. Um, they have the, the pesky sends, as I call them, you know, as everybody has dubbed them today. Now, I think that's when that losing streak started to really happen, right, with that loss to them. So it's going to be interesting to see. My question um, back to you is, what about Calgary? How have you guys matched up against them? Because, um, it, like I said, I haven't caught a ton of the, your games. Um, but when I when I look at them, you know, they're sitting right – Right on the in that fourth spot, right? I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. We're going back to the normal playoffs, where it's the top four from each division, or is it top three from each division and then wild cards, right? Top three and wild cards. So as of today, they would be. Looks like they'd be eighth. Um, yeah, so they, they would... are both forty eighth. Um, did they? You know, that could be a potential first round matchup if you know unless Edmonton climbs up there. How, how have you guys matched up against them? Calgary's really good team. Um, to me, Calgary has been the best team other than Vegas in this division, at least. I think they've kind of fallen off lately, but early on, they've been so healthy. Calgary didn't have a lot of the injury issues that Vegas was dealing with, and like the Avs were dealing with it, and a lot of the top teams were dealing with injuries. Calgary's been so healthy. 
Um, they match up pretty well with the Golden Knights. I think Daryl Sooner gives Pete DeBoer problems in terms of when you look at those two coaching against each other, no matter what teams, when, when Pete, whether Pete was in San Jose or Florida and, and wherever Daryl's been, I think Daryl has his systems have matched up well against Pete's and that those type of teams that play really structured defense, they pack the box. We're not going to let you into the center of the ice. We're going to make you shoot from the outside. You're going to have the bulk of possession. Like teams have kind of decided like, it's so hard to, to play the possession game against the Golden Knights because they're so good at it. They just shoot – they outshoot teams so every fast. single night. Every single night they outshoot teams. So I think teams have decided let's not try to beat them at that. Let's give them 40 shots. Let's just try to make those 40 shots not dangerous. No danger. try, to keep, try to keep them to the outside. Let our goalie make easy saves. Let's clear up the, the rebounds in front. And then eventually Vegas will make a mistake. They'll, they'll turn the puck over with Petrangelo and Theodore. They're so good at those outlet passes. But when oh, you have guys that are – first passes are ridiculous. Right. But when you have guys that are that aggressive, they're going to turn the puck over. Like Petrangelo and Theodore have a turnover, at least one a game, where you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe he did that. And teams like Calgary, it, the, the last two teams to eliminate the Golden Knights from the playoffs, Montreal and Dallas, are two teams that are defensive. They packed the box. They waited for Vegas to make a mistake, and then they scored. So I do think that – in terms of matchups, Calgary is a team that Vegas would probably not like to see. Um, like they'd much rather play an LA or an Anaheim. Um, I, and I also think that, so when you look at the history of the, the Flames and the Golden Knights for the last five years, it's very strange because Calgary just crushes Vegas up in Calgary and Vegas crushes Calgary yeah. in Vegas. Like there are no close games between these teams. Almost every game is 6-1, 5 nothing, and and they each win at home. They're exciting, exciting hockey games. Your last, uh, your last, last article you posted with the Athletic, you did mention a lot about how you know adjusting your game as you get healthier. Like you said, like you said before, you've dealt with the injury bug, the COVID bug, and another thing too is that's why you know when you go on stretches like these, like when you start winning game, winning games, it's every point matters in this COVID world, right? Because it doesn't, you know, it can be like Buffalo. You know, we we kind of you know. We, we uh, up in like for 48 hours, we had no clue who was playing goalie for the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, you know, Craig Anderson, funny. Craig Anderson was booked to be the backup, but he was, <laughs> they, they, they weren't ready to, for him to be the starter. Me and, and Dwayne I, were waiting for a phone call. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like it, I, I told you, bring your pad, you make sure you have your pads with you when Buffalo comes to Vegas, because they might need you. Uh, you never know. Me, Pete has told me I should bring my pads on the road trips. Oh, buddy, yeah. I love it. You never know, dude. I, I just, you know, I, uh, so every point matters, but you mentioned, you know, trying to, you know, fix your defensive style of, of, of hockey uh, in your last article, especially as you get healthier and kind of, especially with a new face like Jack Eichel, who, you know, some people in Buffalo may not may think it, but I think he is a, is a very good two-way center uh, who is, you know, going to make that adjustment, whatever adjustment, whatever, however you guys uh, adjust your system of play defensively, I think he'll be able to make that adjustment very well. I, yeah. before Jesse, before you answer that, Dwayne, I think that you're right and wrong. I think that Pete DeBoer and Steve Spot are going to have a lot to do with that because they are such good coaches when it oh, comes yeah. to bringing in new pieces. But we also saw in Buffalo, and I don't know if it was just a lack of give a shit around the room. We also saw, I'll go back to a game against Vegas in their inaugural season um, where Jack got beat back up the ice where that guy should never get beat back up the ice and Vegas ended up winning in overtime. And granted, this is four or five years ago, yeah. but for me, like it was that lack of, 
And as a center, if you're going to play center in the National Hockey League, especially in a top six role, you're going to need – you don't have to be Patrice Bergeron but or, or Mark Stone. Well, I know he's, he's a winger, but you're, you're going to have to be able to, to commit to whatever system they're running. Um, and I didn't mean to interrupt you, Jesse, but no, you're I, good. that's my one worry with Eichel. Um, I think Steve Spott and Peter DeBoer will definitely help with, with that learning curve and that fresh scenery. Um, I, Jesse, I, w- w- I just wanted to hear you. I didn't want to. Before you chime in, Jesse, I mean, yeah, again, that was also four or five years ago, Kelly. Like, he's not. Yeah, you know, Wayne, we saw that. We saw that up until. Uh, I, I think he's, I think he's, he's, he's turned his defensive game around quite a grows. bit. Every player grows. He's grown a lot there's, since his there's second, been, if there's second been one season. thing, if there's been one thing that Jack Eichel has been always kind of been given shit for is his lack of uh, that ability to not match up and shut down the other team's best player. And I know that's not his role, but if you're going to be put out there on the road, especially when you don't have the line change, you're going to need to at least be an even player. You can't be a minus three just because you're an offensive juggernaut. You know the whole what I mean? team. The whole team was a minus everything. What do you come on, Jim? Right. I, I think I think it goes back to my original statement to, to Jesse. How much is Pete DeBoer and and, and Spotter going to play a role in that? And and where do you see Jack Eichel fitting in lineup wise? Um, because you guys have like it's. Me and Dwayne talked about this off the air. When they get Eichel back, like it's it's a wealth of riches in this lineup. Yeah. I, so so first of all, to the point of like getting back, like the center, you're the first guy back always. In the Golden Knights system, the center is not always the first guy back. They actually right. make it really they actually make it really easy on the center. Um, I I actually talked to Pete DeBoer quite a bit about this. Um, their system basically just deals with F one, F two, F three. There are no like the only time F1 the center becomes the center. Right. The only time the, the 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 center actually is the center is faceoffs, and then as soon as the play starts, they basically, and and that's why um, you see a guy like Chandler Stevenson come in and just be phenomenal. Uh, William Carlson wasn't all that good before he got to Vegas. He's been phenomenal. Nick Waugh is really really developing into a good center. I think Vegas's system. I think it's it's partially Vegas's system that doesn't put as much stress on the center. I think the center is just one of the guys. Whereas I think in other systems, the center, you have to be so much more aware and so much more responsible than the wingers do. And then I also think it's that Vegas just has defensively responsible wingers. Mark Stone, you mentioned him with all those centers because he's basically a center. I mean, he's he plays mm-hmm. on the wing, but he's so defensively responsible. When's he's the last time first. we've seen a winger a great... up for you? What, what, what's the award I'm thinking of? Um, the Selkie Trophy. always wins. Uh, When's Selkie. the last time we've seen a winger up for the Selkie, right? right? Like, and, and Stone probably will win one. But And, and it's not just Stone. Um, Riley Smith is a phenomenal 200-foot player. Max Pacioretty has really grown his defensive game since coming to Vegas, and he's a guy who is almost never on the ice for a goal against. Um, Jonathan Marcheseau gets back. They've, they've got so many good defensive wingers that I think it makes the center's job easier. So I think – that yeah. will be uh, like refreshing for Eichel. Like, okay, I, it's not on me. I like it's yeah. I'm just one of three forwards instead of playing like that role. And then I also think that play, I think this fresh start for him can be good in terms of like, like when you're on a team that you, like they all want to win the Stanley Cup, but when you're halfway through the season and it's pretty clear we're not going to the playoffs, guys, it's a lot. There's a lot less motivation to make that back check and when you're losing that game by three goals. And rather than a team that like, 
you're expected to win the Stanley Cup. If you don't win the Stanley Cup, this season is a complete failure. Yes. It's that's that's it. It's it's the cup or you failed. And yeah. I think that the, I think that those expectations, especially for a guy like Eichel, who's been in the league as long as he has and has not played in the playoffs, like he hasn't experienced that. I think at least initially, um, it won't like he he's going to be back checking his ass off. Um, Five yeah. years from now, if he's still on, in Vegas and he signs a new contract, like oh, maybe the newness might wear off. But I, I, I don't. Right now, I don't see any issues um, in terms of his defensive uh, skill or in terms of his defensive just uh, effort. Two, two part question. Sorry, Dwayne. Um, okay. Nolan Patrick. What what do you what is you what have you seen? I, I haven't kept up with it much. He was somebody that I was a big fan of early on. I know he's dealt with the the migraine issues and, and everything therein. I, I was happy to see him get a fresh start. Um, is he still playing on that top unit with Patretti and Stone? That was just for the one night because Chandler Stevenson got put into COVID protocol um, while they were on the road. So Patrick jumped up there. But for, for the most part, he's been on the fourth line. Um, he's been a fourth line center for this team. And he started off the season pretty rough. He got injured and then he came back and he just didn't look very good. And I think lately here in these last like three or four games, the Golden Knights fourth line has really I mean, on that road trip that they just went on, um, they played basically the best teams in the league. I mean, they went to Washington, to Carolina, to Florida and to Tampa. And the fourth line basically carried the offense. Um, the, the top six were struggling to score. Stone was out with COVID. Pacioretty had just come back from wrist surgery, so they weren't quite going yet. And Nolan Patrick, Brett Howden, two two guys who they brought in in the offseason have been really good. William Carrier scoring a few goals. Um, obviously Warmer Sabre, Carrier. William Carrier. Yeah, he's, he's been scoring a lot lately. So, so yeah, so Patrick and that fourth line here in the last just like couple weeks has been trending in the right direction. Prior to that, I was really worried about the way Nolan Patrick looked in Vegas. Like I thought he was, he was heading for not even going to be in the lineup. Um, once guys got healthy, I think he's starting to play his way back into a spot right now, but this team's so deep. You mentioned the center depth. It's you got Jack Eichel at one. Mm, so William nasty. Car William Carlson at two. Who's, so nasty. who's obviously really good. Chandler Stevenson is the team's leading scorer right now. He's, he has the most points of any player. Yeah, on the Golden he has 40, was it 43 points right now? I think he has. Yeah. He's, like yeah, yeah. He's almost a point. For, he's almost a point per game player. And he's the third best center on the team. And oh, then so Nick Waugh is, is a phenomenal. Like I think Nick Waugh is, is considerably better than Nolan Patrick. So Nolan Patrick's the fifth best center on this team right now. Um, he, he can play the wing and that's probably where if, if all four of those centers are healthy, Nolan Patrick's going to have to play on the wing. Let me ask you this yeah. is Nick Waugh, Dadanoff and Jan Mark, have they played together most of the season? That not most of the season because the golden Knights. So like stone was out for a long time. He, right. he missed a couple months. Max Pacioretty has had two different, injuries that caused him to miss a month or more. Um, William Carlson broke his foot and missed two months. They've had so many injuries that their yep. lines have just been constantly shifting, constantly, constantly. But that is the most stable third line that they've had. Yanmark Dodonov, or actually, sorry, uh, Yanmark Wall-Polistar. Because Dodonov has been being bumped up to the top six because they've all they've pretty much at all times had at least one top six winger out with COVID or an injury. Um, so Dodonov, he hasn't really been able to slot into that third line role that he will probably be. He'll most likely be a third line winger because of the guys above him, assuming they don't trade someone. If they trade like Riley Smith, for oh. example, to open up cap space, then Dodonov will fill in his spot on that second line. But um, yeah, I mean, they've got some really talented guys that could be playing third line minutes. They're going to be a matchup problem for most teams. Yeah, Do they that, need to open up cap space before Jack comes back? Yes. 
Yeah. How much are we no. talking? Um, it's it's. I mean, it's so complicated. These guys have like. What do you mean I, to put been, thought? No, 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 no. I, I've been pouring over it. I think it's somewhere between six million, six maybe seven million dollars that they would have to clear out. Um, if you look on like cap friendly, it'll show you like 10 or 11 million. I don't think it's that much because they're no. going to waive some guys. They're going to, yeah. um, it's not going to, they're not going to have to trade 10 million. They're probably going to have to trade a good $6 million in cap space. With, with a trade deadline coming. Um, I think every time, every team in your position, you know, when you're considered like a, as much of a contender as you are, you want to try and make maybe at least one move. That's going to be a difference maker to that lineup, but your team is just so good. And so deep, like who, who is the odd man out there? And, you know, to have it to clear that kind of money, you know, again, who, who would it be? So there, there are a few ways to look at it. And I mean, like, so the, the easy one, the one that everyone automatically goes to because it's the easiest one is Riley Smith. And it's because he's an unrestricted free agent this up, mm-hmm. this upcoming offseason. He's playing well. He's only making $5 million right now. He's probably going to get a raise. Like, if he hits the open market, Riley Smith will for sure get a contract of more than $5 million a year. Probably so, in the six five seven yeah. range. Yeah. Right. So the Golden Knights are worried that they're going to lose him anyways. So I could see them moving him before the deadline. That pretty much clears the cap space. You maybe have, you maybe have to move, like wave a couple guys, but nothing major outside of him. The only problem is Riley Smith is so, so important to this team. Yeah. I mean, this guy is well, that line too. favorite Ever player. Like, he came into the league. Yeah. Riley Smith is like every coach's favorite player. I can send him over the boards for the first penalty kill unit, for the first power play unit. If we're up a goal in the last minute, if we're down a goal in the last minute, whatever the situation is, Riley Smith is like the guy for that situation. So I could see Pete like lobbying to the front office, like, look, we have to find another way because this guy, like if we're going to win the Stanley Cup this year, I feel like Riley Smith is an important piece of that. He's got so, every tool in his toolbox. Right. So if you're trying to find another way to to, to scrounge up $6 million, I think they could do, trade some ancillary pieces. I think, for one, Loren Brassois is one of the highest paid backup goalies in the NHL. And Why is that? When did he get that I, contract? They, this offseason, just this past offseason. And I don't, I don't understand it. Um, but I think the Golden Knights were Leonard hasn't been the workhorse, right? Like he even in in on Long Island when he was a Vezina mm-hmm. finalist, he was still splitting with Grice. Like it was like almost yeah, I think 64. he played what like fifty games. So I think the Golden Knights were when when the Golden Knights traded Mark Andre Fleury, they were worried like, okay, are we really going to hand the keys over to this Stanley Cup contender to a goalie who's never played sixty games in a season? So they wanted a really stable veteran backup, and that's what Brissois is. But now that Leonard has has like, I think those worries are gone. Like Leonard's playing well yeah. enough. He, he could play better. I mean, especially like he had a stretch there for, where he wasn't playing well, but he is now. And he was at the beginning of the season. He was their best player on the team. Um, I think when you get to the playoffs, ideal scenario is Loren Brassois never touches the ice. The backup goalie yeah. will never touch the ice in the playoffs. So if I'm trying to look for ways to move salary without impacting the playoff lineup, Loren Brassois is the first one. So to me, that would be my first move. That clears eh, about a couple million. Then... You, then you've got Matthias Janmark, who's making $2 million. And I think Janmark's a good player, but I think he's a guy, like, he's not going to kill you if you if you move Matthias Janmark. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think there are little pieces and like he's that. A UFA. Maybe, 
Yes, correct. They only signed him to one year contract here this past offseason. So yeah, so he would make sense. So yeah, I think that they're like they, this team can get away with like not trading any major piece. I think Dodonov may be a little harder to move than Riley Smith because he's that got was term be left my on next his deal. Question. That was going to be my next question. If it was me and I'm like, okay, we've got to trade someone that's worth five million. Well, they have three forwards that make five million. It's Jonathan Marshall, so Riley Smith, and Evgeny Dodonov. And to me, Dodonov is clearly the guy that you would want to move of those mm-hmm. three because he's. While Dodonov has been a very good player for this team, he's been much better than he was in Ottawa. He's looked more like the guy in Florida, um, not quite the 30-goal scorer that he was when he was playing with Huberto and Barkov, but he's looked closer to that than he was in Ottawa. So I think um, if it was me, and 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 I don't know, I'm not the GM, I'm not talking to GMs, like maybe other GMs are telling Kelly, like, nah, we don't want Dodonov, we're not taking that contract, then you, you're, your hands are tied, right? So mm-hmm. if you could move Dodonov, I would definitely move him before I'd move like a Riley Smith, especially a Jonathan Marshall, so who's been awesome. It's almost like, uh, Dwayne, correct me if I'm wrong, or, or Jesse, correct me if I'm wrong, it's almost like uh, from a management point of view, do we kick the can down the road to next season and to, to deal with this? And do we go all in here now that we have Jack Eichel healthy? Um, and and you know what I mean? Make make some smaller moves to keep our core intact, or do we get rid of a UFA that we know? Like, I, here's here's what I think it comes down to. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is there a way to get Riley Smith signed at the number he wants and to keep your core of players intact? Right with the Eichel contract coming That's on. So the tough. That's so it, I mean, it would it, it would require trading someone that's that's five or six million dollars. Yeah. Um, and and again, I think I would. I think I would trade Evgeny Dodonov to make room for Riley Smith. I'd sign Smith to an extension. They just signed three players to extensions yesterday. Yep. Um, yes. Mab, Michael Mario, and that's that's clearly Logan in preparation. Thompson. That's clearly in preparation for this move that's about to happen. Um, Braden McNabb was in the same spot Riley Smith was in. An RFA. I mean, sorry, a UFA who's going to get a pay raise, who may be gone. They locked McNabb up for a very reasonable salary. Now yeah, he's no longer on the five, block. 285 so could, is good for yeah, him. Right. So I could definitely see Riley Smith signing a and, – and the thing is, when I say Riley Smith is going to get $6 million on the open market, that doesn't mean he's getting $6 million in Vegas. Uh, he may take what less to stay in Vegas. He's, he, oh, zero. There's no state taxes in Nevada. Um, cool. So that helps. Mm-hmm. That helps. Yeah, and yeah. also, Riley Smith has a house here. He wants to. He doesn't want to move. You know, you know how hockey players are. They don't want to move mm-hmm. their shit. So mm-hmm. Riley Smith would take less to play. Like I think right now, if they offered him a contract and they said, "Look, Riley, we're going to have to trade you if we can't sign you to an extension. There's no other option. Here's what we can offer you." I think he takes it. Do you think he as gets as long as within reason. money at five right. nine? Within reason. Yeah. So yeah, pr- probably somewhere between five and six. Which is well deserving. He deserves that kind of money. That's how. That's how well, good When we're talking about on the open market, let's just set the the ceiling at seven. Let's say he plays for the Anaheim Ducks. He's only getting what four million out of that, right? Like with the <laughs> yeah, California yeah. would kill him. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's the way I would approach it as a GM, Kelly. If if or Mr. McCray, players aren't stupid, they know. But no, it's just going to be really interesting, Jesse. And I mean, I'm sure you're going to have you're going to have to keep your 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 carpal tunnel on, on notice with the, the the articles you're going to have to write. Um, what is the trade deadline this year, guys? I'm sorry, I don't know. That's uh, I'll, I'll throw some March, money in the fire, Dwayne. It's in March, March first, I think. Yeah, March it's, something. It's 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 it's, it's, it's coming up pretty quick uh, on us. You know, a, it's month, just a month away. A month away. A month away. Yeah, and. 
that, that, that's like another thing too is you know you mentioned earlier do you do you go all in you know without having to trade a Riley Smith or a Dandenoff and just find other ways to free up that cap space like like or do you do you, do you you know sign Riley Smith to an extension and have to part ways with a piece that could help you you know win a cup this year uh, that that is the question. Another thing too is you said possibly uh, you know trading Brissot like. Is Logan Thompson a kid that's ready to come in and you know make be the backup goaltender, or is that a situation where you got to bring somebody in to be your backup? I'm sure no, I think Logan. I think Logan Thompson's right. ready. Is he ready? Oh, okay. They, I mean, they oh. could if they like. I I don't know what how they feel about Logan Thompson. Um, it, they could easily get like you said. They could easily get. There's so many veteran goalies out there that you can get for the league minimum. Like they they could get a guy with well, experience if they want. But Thompson has been the best goalie in the AHL for two years now. Um, and he he's he's yeah. I mean, he won the whatever the Vesna mm-hmm. is of the whatever the Vesna is of the AHL. I honestly don't remember what the name of it is, but he won it last year as a rookie. Yeah. Um, as an AHL rookie, that was his first year in the AHL. And then this year he's been phenomenal again. And he, he's been on the taxi squad, so he hasn't played a lot in the AHL. Um, but he, he practices with these guys every day. Like I think Logan Thompson right now can be an NHL backup goalie. He's ready for it. Now, that's what hits the nose on the head for me. If you know, they know what's best for him for his development is the AHL. But if he's been up with the taxi squad, that to me, and I could be wrong. I could be reading writing on the wall that's not there, but to me, that couldn't that be them saying, "Hey, we're preparing him for, to just step right in seamlessly." No, or are they well, required to keep contract. somebody on the taxi squad? Yeah. When I saw Logan Thompson signed to a three-year extension, the first thing that came into my mind was, "Well, they might be trading Logan. They might be trading Loren Brassois because they're trying to lock this kid up th- for three years before they hand him the NHL job." And, yeah. And try to get him for that price. Well, so that was the my immediate thought when I saw that contract. One thing one thing on my mind too is obviously, you know, I think I think if if you had an option of maybe, you know, even if you, even if he is ready, maybe maybe bringing in a more experienced veteran who could handle the task if a Leonard would go down. I mean, we have a guy right here in Buffalo. I would hate to see Buffalo trade him away, but I I'm a huge Craig Anderson fan, but there's a guy on this team that I would love to go see win a Stanley Cup. It would be Craig Anderson. Granted, he's 40 years old, but the guy has more experience than anybody on this team right now in terms of playoff hockey, and he's played very well for Buffalo this season. He made his return after uh, you know missing 32 straight games with an upper body injury, comes in and makes 27 saves. Granted, it was the Arizona Coyotes, but played very well. Um, and yeah. even before then, he was playing very well. Uh you know, he misses 32 games and he still he still has the most wins of any goalie on, on the roster right now with five. You know, just to kind of tell you how our season's going. But, and he's uh, on could, the veteran league minimum at 750. Yes. And I wonder your deal. So he's really good buddy with he's good buddies with Robin Leonard, too. Rob, I, yeah, I, yeah, Robin, yeah, when I talk to Robin, he talks about Craig Anderson all the time. I love well, Craig you Anderson. Remember, man, like, you got to remember in Ottawa. That was that right. was his main mentor, right? Like when mm-hmm. I think it, it wasn't was it Binghamton? Yeah, it was Binghamton at yep. the time um, when Robin won the Calder Cup. Um, but like every every training camp, I remember reading an article. I forget when it was. Maybe it was here in Buffalo, Dwayne, when when Robin was here. But just it, when when uh, Craig Anderson came to town, but just how close they are, right? And yeah. um, I I didn't realize that. I knew Craig signed for a low number, but it was yeah, he's, he's a one-year deal, 
I mean, people thought he was going to retire regardless. Uh, but you know, I honestly, up until he made, you know, he came off the taxi squad in Washington, I thought he was, he was retired. I had no clue he was still in the league, but again, he's played very well for us, golly. Like he's done. done oh, I, I, I think he's way better than forward. expected. hundred percent, you know, and we were discussing too. I mean, this, this, this Buffalo Sabres team, and I'm not, I'm not going to say they would push for a playoff. I think they're at least a 500 hockey team right now if Craig Anderson doesn't get hurt and you're forced to play essentially ECHL level goaltending through 32 games, you know, after the UPL injury too. I think, I think you're a 500 hockey team. That's the difference I think Craig Anderson could have made for this roster. And I could definitely see a team like Vegas, especially with that relationship, as you said, with Robin Leonard already there, I could see a guy like Robin, if, if push came to shove him, maybe advocating to bring a guy like Craig Anderson in uh, to be his backup. And I'd love to see him win a cup. I'm not going to lie. Cause I think once Jack comes back and he's hundred percent, you guys are the odds on favorite to win the Stanley cup this, this season. Yeah. I mean, if on paper, Vegas has the most talented team in hockey. Um, we'll 100%. see how it all fits. We've seen in hockey, the trades don't like when they, when they traded for Max Pacioretty, the first season Max Pacioretty had in Vegas, he kind of sucked. Um, everyone in Vegas was like, oh my God, they just yeah, traded Nick Suzuki and all these things. And he's not very good, but then he figured it out. Um, Alex Petrangelo, they signed to that massive deal last offseason. The first three quarters of that regular season, and it was only a 56 game regular he season. Was the first he, three quarters, like he was not good. Yeah, it was like, this is who they gave 8.8 million to. And then the playoffs got here, and he's he's been the best player on the team since then. So I, it does take, especially star players who are expected to have that big of a role, it takes them some time when they get traded. Or, or when they change teams. So I'm not going to be totally shocked if this isn't the year. Like if Eichel comes in and it's just not – like if he's just not Jack Eichel, but then next season he comes in at training camp, gets a full camp, gets with the guys, and and is Jack Eichel. But at the same yeah. time, Jack Eichel's a freak. He could come in and just yeah. be a me- – like, That's like why. You could, e- you could easily see him stepping on the ice and being the best player on the that- ice because that- he's just so good. That's why well, I'm so happy one- it's not going to be against Buffalo because if he, if he <laughs> right. debuts against Buffalo, man, he's putting three three in the knot. Like, I the, think one he'd be- thing, the one thing, Dwayne, you always used to say is that the, the, the one thing that the, the, the management failed to do in Buffalo was surround Eichel with talent, right? Yep. And you look at his best year here and him and Skinner both have, you know, those points. I don't know what happened with the coaching and off the locker room. But I wanted to kick it back. I know we're running out of time. With the with the Am- Michael Ami- Am- how do I say his name? Amadio. So you guys signed your 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 third goalie to an extension, and you signed. Say it again. Mike Michael Amadio. Like that's got to be a precursor, no? Like we were hinting at. To me, is that just a move to get a guy off of UFA status and into your into your. Um, let's just call it into your security for the next couple of years, or is that the precursor to the moves we were talking about earlier? Like do today's signings, are they writing on the wall for a guy like uh, Laurent Brassois and maybe a guy like that enough, or hopefully not Riley Smith, but maybe a Riley Smith, right? Like that's my main question to you. Maybe, but I think Amadio is a fourth line guy. Um, they're not going to be playing Michael Amadio where like Riley Smith is, for example. Um, I think Amadio, they claimed him off waivers this year. So yeah. that wasn't their contract. They just, and at the time, at the time, I don't even know if they would have claimed Amadio if they weren't so injured. Like they claimed Amadio and Adam Brooks off waivers this year, both of them when they like, 
literally were like, are we going to have enough warm bodies to put on the ice to play a hockey game tonight? Like we, we aren't sure if we're going to have enough people to ice a team because everyone is injured or has COVID. So when they claimed Amadio, I think it was more of just a, Hey, that guy plays in the NHL. We'll take him. So, and then, and then I think he played a couple games and they were like, you know what? This guy fits. He fits into our system. He fits into our locker room. We like him. He's super cheap. He's going to be a UFA. This guy is a bottom of the lineup player who we think fits what we want, both personality wise and per, and, and the way he plays. So they just signed him to a three year or a two year deal to just get him on the books cheap. It's cost certainty. You know, we've got an NHL guy who we can put in the lineup every night. We, he's not going to make a huge difference, but he's also not going to lose you the game. I don't I don't see Amadio connected to like trading a winger, like especially a top six winger. Yeah. Um, I just think of it as oh, this was a surprise. Like we picked this guy up just because he was a guy. And all of a sudden, ah, we think he actually Turns belongs to me on something. this team. Yeah. But I, my, I guess my question is with Eichel getting inserted into the lineup, you know, he's not going to become, you, you know, with you're getting arguably Chandler Stevenson is giving you the most value bang for buck in the league, right? Yeah. He's been awesome. So, like, I, I don't think my question, I, I didn't word it well enough. You're not looking to, Maybe signing Amadeo or I'm sorry, I butchered his name allows you to maybe not make one of the big moves that we were talking about, but several of the little ones. I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see. Yeah, it is. One other, one other thing too, is we mentioned, you know, again, Logan Thompson, Laurent Brassois. I think if you're going to make that trade and ship out, wouldn't you want to do that sooner rather than later, just to really see if, uh, you know, Logan Thompson can handle that type of role, get games in at the NHL level, see if he can handle it, not just like physically, because obviously physically can handle it, but mentally being put in that position, you know, if you were to be thrown into the fire, Robin Leonard, can this guy handle it? I I think that that's if, if you're smart to trade, you make pre-deadline because you want to get this kid some games in to see if he can handle that type of responsibility. So come deadline, you can make that evaluation to like, do we want to have this guy be be our second our second horse, or do we want to go reach out to a Buffalo about a Craig Anderson? Keep in mind, this yeah. kid was playing CSI CIS hockey for Brock University four years ago, right? I know, and yeah. His, his rise has been crazy. I mean, he he hadn't played above the ECHL level like prior to last season, and now he's where he is. Like his his development curve has been crazy. To be completely honest with you, Dwayne, I think if Robin Leonard gets hurt. They aren't winning the Stanley Cup. I don't care if it's Loren Brassois in that. I don't care if it's Logan Thompson. I don't care if it's Craig Anderson. If Robin Leonard doesn't finish the season, the playoffs, the Golden Knights aren't winning the Stanley Cup. So to be honest, I really don't think it matters who the backup goalie is. Um, I think this team, I think this team is good enough to make the playoffs with Logan Thompson as its starting goalie because they're just that much better than everyone in the Pacific Division. And I don't think they're good enough to win the cup with any goalie below Robin Leonard. So I think to be to be honest, like I I think keeping a better backup is like, it's not the security blanket you think it is. Cause you think like, well, we need someone if Leonard goes down, we're like, well, yeah, but even if Loren Brassois is slightly better than, than Logan Thompson, like, is he enough better to win a Stanley sure. cup? Like I'm not convinced Logan. I like Loren Brassois. I like his calm style. He like, I like his style. I like the, the talking to him. He's fun to talk to. I don't think he's good enough to win a Stanley cup. Yeah. And before we let you go, I know you got to cut out here. Uh, leading into this matchup against Buffalo, obviously you're going to ever see the see the returns of Alex Tuck and Peyton Krebs to Vegas, guys that have been really good for Buffalo since making their debuts. Again, we mentioned before, I think uh, Tuck has 
either it's either eight points in seven games or nine points in eight games. And Peyton Krebs, uh, you know, has looked very good on a line when he has played. I think on the power play unit with both with with Alex Tuck, and then I think he uh, he's on a line with I want to say it's uh, Tage Thompson, maybe Dylan Cousins. No, 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 it's not Dylan Cousins. It's it's Tage Thompson and. Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember who else, but he's looked very good, especially in transition, play, playing with speed, and just the chemistry is there. Um, you know, what do you, you know? Are you looking forward to see those guys make their returns? Because Alex Tuck is a guy who you know was traded from arguably a Stanley Cup favorite to the worst team in the NHL, and the guy had a jokerish smile on his face, like he was excited to be in Buffalo, and he's taken this leadership role like in stride, and he's taken a lot of pride in it. And uh, I'd imagine they're both looking forward to coming back to Vegas and, you know, with, especially with more increased roles with these teams, you know, roles they did not have yeah. at Vegas. I, I'll start by saying I freaking love Alex Tuck. Um, he's one of my favorite players in the entire room to talk to back when we were actually allowed in the locker room. Um, it feels like it's been forever. Um, if I didn't have a story to write that day and I was just kind of in there shooting the breeze with the players, Alex Tuck. It was either him, Subban, or Flurry, just because, you know, me with the goalies. I would always kind of tend to talk to those guys. But Alex Tuck was my favorite player to talk to. He's such a good guy. He loves Buffalo, absolutely loves the state of New York. He's obviously from Western New York. Um, if there is a guy in the world, like like you, you mentioned, getting traded from Vegas to Buffalo, that sucks for 99.9% .9 of players. Not Alex Tuck. He, he loves Vegas, and the guy owned a restaurant here. He was not happy to leave. But – if there's a guy who's going to Buffalo that's going to enjoy it, it's Alex Tuck. That dude, yeah. he, he loves Buffalo. He grew up a Sabres fan. I got to write a really cool story a couple of years ago about the, the neighborhood he grew up in, in uh, near Syracuse. And he's he's just such a – so, like, I'm pumped to see Alex back in Vegas. Um, they'll have quite the tribute video for him. He was that's a Golden cool. Knight. Like, when you see the Golden Knights logo and, like, you think of that inaugural season, like, Alex Tuck is one of those guys. Like, he is – he is a player who started his career really in Vegas, like Minnesota. Mm. He played a little bit, but he really made his mark in the NHL, like in Vegas and is a golden Knight. So I, he's going to get a, a hell of an ovation at T-Mobile arena. Um, Krebs obviously was brand new. He barely played here, but um, the, the fans will be excited to see him too. I'm excited to see him playing better than I thought he was going to in Vegas. He quickly was doing not much to be honest. Like he just wasn't like, he would just kind of, you'd, you'd watch a whole game and not realize he played. And I was concerned that like, okay, this guy was the 17th overall pick. Is he going to be like third line player? Like, is that yeah. his ceiling third line player that kind of just grinds and he's a good energy guy. Like he skates, you, you, you notice him on the ice because he's a water bug. He's flying all over mm. the place. Like the guy his the energy he has on the forecheck is great, but I just didn't know if he'd have anything more than that. And like you said, he goes to Buffalo, he gets a bigger role than he ever would have gotten in Vegas, especially at this young of an age. And he's showing that he does have that skill that made him a first round pick. So I'm excited for both those guys to be playing as well as they are. It's going to be fun to watch them. I have one last question on the video for um, Tuck. And I love the kid. Are they going to put um, the Braden Holtby paddle save in the Stanley Cup finals in that package or no? I, I do not think so. That poor guy will never uh, let that down. Poor Tucky. I'm sorry. Uh, my apologies, Mr. Tuck. Um, what a save. Hey, what a save. For three goalies, one mic here. Talk about our favorite saves. It's either the two-pad stack windmill glove save when you catch it or the diving out with the paddle. And Paddle's remember, fun. Remember, that wasn't on the ice. That was a good – Hey, like, 
Like foot, half foot off the ice. And how about two to one in an elimination game? How about your guy Malcolm Subban from Vegas making possibly Woo. the save of the year behind the behind like, the back? Nobody saw it either. Nobody saw it happen in real time because it was like so, there was so much commotion going I on. And then they watched like Lane sent me the replay, and I'm like, what the fuck? Are you talking about? <laughs> like that save man. was insane. That was That's crazy. Subban, man. Subban makes the hardest saves and misses the easiest ones. He was another guy that I love talking to in Vegas. I I really like Malcolm. Well, Subban. Alex Tuck says that's like his best friend. It was like his best friend in Vegas. Yeah. That guy, oh. Subban, he makes all the toughest saves. Any 10-bell save, he's making it 100 times out of 100. But if you float it in from the point, he'll miss it. <laughs> Poor uh, you know what's funny? Hey, quick note on Subban, and I don't know if you ever got to this when you talked to him. He ever tell you about how he didn't start playing goalie till he was 13? Yep. That's why. So I got to play two years against him, and I'm like, there's no way this kid started three years ago. Right, like, right. <laughs> Right ridiculously some people just yeah. have that athletic ability right like they just he stepped like... right in after the, the goalie of the year mike or the chl goalie of the year mike murphy in belleville and obviously he had big shoes to fill with pk being his brother and i'm like wait you're meaning to tell me this guy started three years ago like what makes you and... feel like a shithead doesn't it yeah well... <laughs> <laughs> all those all those off-ice workouts all that hard work and then malcolm super just straps the pads out <laughs> Right over me. Uh, but he also got to play with Philip Grubauer, which was interesting. Um, so. The connections that, that you see yeah. in, in the OHL. Um, Jesse, I know that you, uh, you, you, you've you gone over your time with us. I really yeah. appreciate it. I got nothing appreciate else. You got any, anything for him? No, man. Uh, thanks again, Jesse. Appreciate it. And like I said, hopefully uh, you said you're definitely coming to Buffalo when Jack Eichel makes his uh, debut, you know, coming back to, to the 716. So we're I taking him off for wings, right? I fully expect you to get us to be in contact and meet out for a beer for or sure. wings. And we're not for going sure. to Anchor Bar either. Nothing against Anchor Bar. But everyone go. Everyone comes to Buffalo, they, they got to go to Anchor Bar. No, that's I'm not a barbell guy. Me. Yeah? Barbell, you know, Gabriel's Gate. There's a lot of good places in here for wings, hole-in-the-wall places. We're not going to Anchor Bar. Cool. Can't wait. All right. Jesse, uh, thanks for your time, bro. Thanks for, thanks for your help. Thanks for your time, awesome. Jesse. Later, guys. Thanks Later. for having me on. No problem. Call you. That's hey. a phenomenal interview. What, what what interview? Um, I got a few minutes here before I got to head out for my uh, goalie lesson. Um, just Jesse's a tremendous guy. Three goalies, one mm -hmm. Mike. It's always fun when we get another goalie on. Yep. But he's done a great job. I really encourage he, – he briefly mentioned – Maybe, Dwayne, maybe you can find it, um, that article he wrote uh, that he was referring to. About Tuck. About, yeah, about Tuck. Yeah, maybe I'll ask him can, to send it to me directly. I'm sure he has um, it on tap. Because Jesse's a phenomenal writer. And if if he if he touted that article as being something special, it's something special. Because even his oh, average sure. work, like what he considers average, is great. Like yeah, he's, he's a phenomenal a writer. He really brings life to his to his columns. Um, I don't even know if they call them columns anymore. I'm yeah, so outdated. Yeah, it's so so much different today than it was ten years ago. You know, you know when you when you talk to these analysts and these writers about hockey, like the, everything's changed so much, man, so much. Yes. Can I talk, say one thing about Logan Thompson? So many of you may not know this, but Brock University is right over the border. It's yep. it's located in St. Catharines. For example, when I played for the Ice Dogs. I billeted in Thurled, um, and it, I, I was in, like, I live with a family, of course, but we were in, like, the, 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 you know how, like, they have zoning, like, the student village. Like, I was right next to Brock. This yep. guy goes out. He he plays, it uh, looks like, four years in for the Brandon Wheat Kings. Um, you know, puts up some decent numbers um, and then goes to Brock. 
Um, mm-hmm. 18 and six, 934. Um, awesome numbers there. Goes to the signs right after that first year in Brock, which is a big deal because as soon as you sign pro after you start your school package, he was basically giving it up. Like it was at that point, yeah. He left Brock, he was saying, I'm going all in. He starts in Adirondack Thunder in the East Coast League, goes to the Binghamton Devils, um, South Carolina Stingrays in 1920. Then the Vegas Golden Knights pick him up in, in 2020. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he gets one game in there um, and then plays for the Henderson Silver Knights. Um, same thing this year. One goal for the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, 3.23 goals against, 885. I know it's a tiny sample size. Yeah. But his AHL numbers from the last two years, 2020-21, 196 goals against average, 943 save percentage. This year – 262 goals against or goals against 928 save percentage. I'd like to think going back to our point. I think he's ready. I think I, I'm, yeah. I'm not saying he's not ready. I just think and if you're you never make, know, you brought up a good point. Yeah, you never know until it, you throw him in there. You, you know, I, I, me personally, if I'm if if I'm Vegas, I am making that trade sooner rather than later, or at least you know you know you know dress him for a couple of games here to see if the guy can handle the challenge. Uh, uh, in you, case. You, wouldn't you have to put what's his name on waivers? I don't know. I mean, is he in the taxi squad? Can you just yeah, make that? I'm not sure. If, I don't know how that works. Not an injury or like a cold. I'm not sure. That's a great question. I, I just, I, I, I just think that you need to get him some games and just to kind of really come to the conclusion if this kid can handle the role. I know, I know. Just he said like if Robin Leonard gets hurt, they're not winning the cup. But just because if just because you'd assume that that that's the case doesn't mean at least you know prepare for the worst, hope for the best, right? So. I, I think that you have to do your due diligence that kid and make sure that he can handle a workload, you know, more than, you know what I mean? Just I, I, just one game is a big enough sample size at the professional level. It just isn't. Um, I, I would like to see them. And if that were to come, I would love it as much as I hate, hate, hate to see a guy like Craig Anderson leave Buffalo. Cause I think he's a phenomenal locker room guy. He's played so well for us. I would yeah. love to see a guy like him oh, win a cup. Yeah, a couple of clicks for Craig Anderson. And I'd love to see him have the opportunity to win a cup. I know you probably don't want to uproot your family or uproot your life from one side of the country to the other. But, I mean, this could I be your last shot. I think he's been used to it, man. Yeah. Ever since his Ottawa days were over, he's been all over yeah. the place. I just I just want to see a guy like him have one last crack at a cup. He's such a good I dude. Agree. and he's, I, an uh, he's an ambassador for the position, Dwayne. 100%. Um, I, I can't was, wait to have him on one day. I think it would be, yeah, it would I think, be a lot I of I think fun. he would come on with us. I think he 100% would. 100% once he retires. I remember, remember when in Ottawa, his uh, his wife, his wife Nicole, was battling cancer, and that was a big storyline for them during that run. He was playing while she was going through that, and she was always in the crowd. And you know, So cool to see yeah. how everybody rallied around her, not yep. just in Ottawa, but like the whole, like the whole hockey world. And to see, like, the strength, like, he played the night that they found out that she was out of remission and the cancer was back with a vengeance. And I still remember him giving the press conference. And you know what was so cool? Nicole was right next to him. And it it fucking brought tears to my eyes. And ever since then, I've been a anybody any anybody knows who's dealt with cancer, you know, themselves or with a loved one knows like that type of battle that is, and what it does to the body and what it does to the family around them. So you know, for him to perform as well as he did, and not just that, but just uh, you know, go through those mental hurdle tribulations that I'm obviously you're going through as a professional athlete, knowing that at home, the person you love the most in this world is fighting for their life every day and waging war and 
you know, the biggest war anyone's ever waged in their body every single day. I mean, again, a couple clicks for Craig Anderson, Nicole Anderson, a uh, couple of, you know, you know, a power couple in hockey, if you ask me, uh, you know, th- that they made it all the way here and, you know, that she's doing well and very healthy. And, uh, you know, he's still playing hockey at 40, 41 years old. I, but I, I'd love to see him go to Vegas and have one last crack at a cup. So um, to finish up, because I got to head out here, um, I don't I like I don't know if let me know. Tweet at me at KidCully33 on Twitter. I have Spectrum, um, and I know I might be in the minority as everybody changes, but I could not watch on MSG. It was like I was having like an epileptic seizure. It was cutting in and out the whole game. Doing I know I called you about it. Yep. See if you were having the same issues on DirecTV. You weren't. If anybody else on Spectrum was having that issue, let me know. It made the game unwatchable. I watched football instead and, and, and you know, watched the game recap. Obviously, you know, a tough team to go against in Colorado. Anytime yeah. you get ball behind. They didn't uh, play terrible, though. I'll give them that. It wasn't terrible. I think that Buffalo, no. considering the lack of talent, uh, you know, the, the huge disparity in talent between Colorado and Buffalo, I thought they played well. Um, again, you had Dustin Akarski making his first start, and I don't know how long after struggling. You just with... can't give up that first goal against that team, you no, know. And you mentioned, you know, mentioned the mistake Middlestat made on that play. Now he's hurt again. So it's interesting, really quick, and we'll end on this. We we talked about how um, Pete DeBoer runs a system where the first guy back is the center, right? Yep. Um, and not every coach does that. I know John Cooper does in Tampa a very a very um like a variable of that. Um, but you know, just to break down that goal, you know, ideally when the puck's in, in the corner, the defensive zone corner, you have a defenseman, you know, man on man with the puck and you have your center, uh, you know, on the D side of that battle, um, but also marking their second lowest forward and you have your other D in front. But if both D end up in the corner and, you know, they're, they're interchangeable, right? Those two D in the center. Casey even did a decent job of shoulder checking. It's just, it, it, that's how fast this game is. And you mentioned Dwayne that he's not quite up to full speed. I think that's no. what caught him. Um, you know, part of your job there is to make sure that pass doesn't get through back door. It did. I think that uh, the game might go differently there, like against the number one team in the league. Uh, you can't give up that first goal on the road. Um, and, and they did. Um they, they were, it was in, it was in Colorado, correct? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'm seeing right now, um, a couple of different sources on Twitter. I'm not sure how reliable these are, but they're saying that, uh, Casey Middlestad is, was pulled as a precaution, uh, day to day. Cause he, watching him, he wasn't ready. He wasn't game. He ready hasn't and, looked. You, you, you told me that yeah. at the first game, I wasn't able the to first see rift, first game back. He didn't yeah. have that first step. He just didn't have the first step. He couldn't keep up, and it looked like he was skating with cement blocks on his feet. And uh, you know, I don't, I don't disagree. Yeah, pull him out if he's not ready. There's no reason. Yeah, to... get him, get him up to full speed. I know I, I can understand the horniness to get him back in the lineup, but let's get him back when he's ready. Um, we have the Sabers and Golden Knights tomorrow, 10 p.m. I know it's a late one, but uh, I'm, you know, I'll be, I'll be tuning in for that as as I'm getting home. Um, you know. Right, probably in the for puck drop. Uh, after that, we have um, I don't want to say a light week, but Thursday, um, we we host the Blue Jackets, and mm-hmm. then um, Sunday, the 13th, we are in Montreal. Um, interesting, Carrie Press, uh, or sorry, Carrie Price held a, a press conference today. 
Uh, really interesting um, to see what happens there uh, with their new hiring of their GM yeah. um, and, and what direction that team goes into. Kerry obviously is battling, um, I believe it was substitute and his, his knee. He said yeah. he's had a couple of setbacks with his knee. Um, mm -hmm. It'll be interesting to see there. And then, you know, after that, we, we finish off, you know, February. We, we have a pretty jam-packed schedule. Um, you know, you go from the 15th to, to the 20th, you have four games in there. It goes Islanders, Senators, Avalanche, Blue Jackets. It doesn't get any easier. Uh, and then to, right after trade deadline, Dwayne's favorite team, the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, the Sabres will make the trip up there. So the Heritage, Isn't it the Heritage Classic game too? That, I have no idea. The outdoor game. The outdoor game, I think that's coming up in March. Uh, it's like a 4 o'clock or like a 4 o'clock start. No, they're the playing the outdoor game. That? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Against the Maple Leafs. Yeah. The outdoor I'm game. Idiot. I'm an idiot. <laughs> but um, just a reminder, too, tomorrow night is an ESPN Plus game. So you have to have the app ESPN Plus to watch. Uh, hopefully we'll see uh, Bucci uh, on the call for that game. He's always an absolute beaut. Hopefully a future uh, guest at two goalies when Mikey's agreed to come out with us at some point. So we'll have him on too. So that's huge. Uh, yeah. And I got, and I'm pretty much tapped, you know, I am too. I got to head to the rink. So um, thank you everybody for listening. Do you have an ad read? Uh, just brought to you by outlet liquor, the place to buy a case over there on George urban Boulevard for your game day or game night needs. Get over to outlet liquor on George urban Boulevard. For and Dwayne Fennell, I'm Johnny Cullen. This has been episode 83 with three goalies, one Mike, Jesse Granger. Thanks for your time. Uh, beat reporter for The Athletic. Uh, Dwayne's going to try to pull that article of, about Tuck out of the archives. Yeah. Um, but we'll see everybody in a couple days. Um, right. Thanks for your time. And let's go Sabres. Let's go Sabres. Hey, everybody. This is Dwayne from Two Goalies, One Mike here to remind you that after you get done listening to the episode, which I hope you loved it and I hope you enjoyed it, please be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you are using Apple Podcasts, do me a favor. Please be sure to leave us a five-star review and, of course, write us a review. It goes a long way in getting us noticed and getting us some kind of recognition in this world of podcasting. It goes such a long way. And, obviously, if you're watching on YouTube, at two goalies, one mic, hammer that subscribe button, leave us some comments, show us some love with some likes. Again, it goes a long way, and we really appreciate your love and support. To those of you who have been with us since episode one, thanks for sticking with us for this long. For those of you who are jumping on the bandwagon right now, I promise you, you will not be disappointed. We have a season of guests that are going to blow you away. Uh, this year for hockey is going to be big with them going to ESPN, TNT. We've already seen how great it's been. Just you know, they just got done with the first two nights of this season. It's been phenomenal. We get Gretzky back, Gretzky and Barkley. It's, it's phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. So we are going to have so much to talk about this year. Thanks for hopping on with us. Thanks for listening to this episode and we will talk to you soon. The podcast super friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from branch out programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, 
or at soundoff.network. everywhere the imagination dares it's for the open-minded the pleasure seeker it's jeff woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality theme-based with special guests the blue hotel hotline and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story get a room and listen in at the blue hotel Begins Friday, September 23rd.